This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that likes to celebrate success but remembers that pride cometh before a fall. I'm Andrew Page, and with me, as always, is Scott Phillips. G'day, fools. I'm the pride, he's the fall. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> uh, what are we going to talk about today? Well, a couple of things. We want to talk about lessons from a 10-bagger. 10 what? A 10-bagger. Oh. That's when you make 10, ten times bags. your right. money. Yes, okay. bar, bar, black sheep and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, and we also talk a bit about how you know when to sell. It is, I think, a much more difficult question than knowing when to buy. So we'll dive into that as well. Scott. Andrew, I'm, I'm excited about this podcast. We do yeah. lots of news stuff. Yep. And, and we do that for a good reason, right? There's lots of things that go on. And, and frankly, Never a dull we know moment. our listeners want to know about it. It fascinates us. Sometimes as enjoyable, as importantly, as some of the bigger issues, the bigger investment questions. And so we thought we'd focus this week on, on a couple of big ones that really do matter a lot, hopefully, for our listeners and certainly for investors at large. Yeah, well, and the reason we thought we'd talk a bit about a 10 bag, we're talking about uh, Amazon um, a couple of weeks ago now. We did. And, uh, you know, how, how phenomenally well that has been. <laughs> a 300 bagger a for David Gardner. A 300 bagger. Oh, right. Probably full co founder. Oh, man. So, so we kind of thought we, we've had a bit of success on our scorecards as well. A corporate travel management, I think it's a business we've mentioned before, just in the last week or so, it's, it's crossed that threshold where it is up tenfold on the initial recommendation. I'd love to steal some credit for that, but that was all you, my friend. Uh, well done. You're a very kind man. Thank you. But uh, looking back at the time, we'll, we'll take this from a couple of different angles. Um, when you first recommended it, was uh, a 10-bagger something that you thought was a possibility? Yeah, it's a really good point, Andrew. I, um, you know, 10-baggers are kind of this mythical thing that everyone wants, right? Mm -hmm. The idea of getting, it's a decimal thing. 10 times your money, put a zero on the end of it, invest 10 grand, you get 100 grand. Invest 100 grand, you get a million. It's kind of this nice little, yep. right, it's, it's a nice little just mental kind of thing that we mm -hmm. think about. And frankly, you know, so corporate travel, we recommended that the cost base of it now is $2.14. Um, and last Thursday, it crossed the $22 market, closed at 22 bucks exactly. How long ago? Uh, when you first bought? Uh, just under five years ago. August okay. 2012, it was recommended. Ten, ten times in five years. Yeah, we'll take that. Yeah. So look, you know, it's, it's been it's been a really good run. Yep. To your point, the question of, you know, did we expect it? Well, no, not at all. I, I mean, in the sense that not every stock you recommend, you only do if you think it's going to be a 10-bagger. You know, you're not specifically looking for just those ideas. Um, we, we bought corporate travel management. We recommended it for our members specifically because we liked the, the long-term potential of the business. But not every company, and certainly you're not going to know in advance which ones are going to deliver those sort of results. So yeah. did I like the company a lot? Do I think it was a great company? Yes. Did I have high hopes for it over the long term? Mm -hmm. Yes. Did I expect to be a 10-bagger and in less than five years? No, you could have knocked me out with a feather if you told me that in 2012. Right. Okay. Well, let me let me ask you this. Um, before we sort of get into the things that we sort of look for when, when trying to get these kinds of things, is it a is this a consequence of their their profit growing tenfold over a period, or is there other factors uh, aside from that? Yeah, that's a really good point. No, no profit hasn't grown ten, tenfold over that period of time. In fact, it's grown a bloody lot though. Well, right? and, and this is and this is why it's a combination, yeah. right? So you think about it, the question is really what makes a great business and what makes a great investment, and they're kind of. There's two components to any business, right? There's the business itself. There's the quality estimate, if you want to talk mm -hmm. about, or mm -hmm. the quality element, if you want to talk about, you know, the business itself, high quality business. The other thing you look at is the price of the business. Yep. And you combine the quality and the price, you get value. And we talk about that a lot. Mm. And so partly this was a case of a really great business doing really good things. Mm -hmm. And frankly, it was at a price when we originally recommended it that it didn't require the business to do all that much. And so if it did do spectacularly well, and frankly, I didn't expect it to do this well, mm. then we would have got a really nice result from that investment. So you get this nice combination, a quality business and a good price. 
that's a really, I mean, that, that's a holy grail of combination. Whenever you make a recommendation, whenever you buy a stock, yeah. you're hopefully looking for a business with good business potential mm -hmm. and a business selling at a decent price. I think if you combine those together, you get a good result. Yeah. And growth is so, so I don't care if you're an income investor, a value investor, whatever kind of investor you are, growth is so important. Not that you have to have growth to, to do well on investment. There's plenty of people out there who get into some, intentionally get into some things that they know are not good yeah. companies, but yeah. the price is just so screamingly low that you can still make a return on it. And, and that's an entirely justified approach. The lovely thing about growth is it does cover a lot of valuation sins. When something is growing very strongly, it means mm. that you don't have to get that estimate of value that right because it just, you know, um, it, 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 because it does two things. I mean, firstly, mm. It means that the you you get obviously whatever lift you get from from the rise in the earnings, but right, also right. because the market starts to notice it, and then yes. it puts a premium on that. So you sort of get this leverage in, increase where where earnings are growing very strongly, but the, what the market's prepared to pay for those earnings grows even more as well. So it's sort of this double whammy effect, which is a, just a beautiful yeah beautiful yeah it's, thing. A, it's, it's a nice multiplier, right? So you get the profit growth and and you get the rest. We should also say, Andrew, this is a really important, and I, I might make this point later, or we might make it now, but it's also a stock that we've recommended twice more since. So, yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah, well, an important yeah. part of this is not just that it was a lucky price at one point mm. or that it was a lucky quality at one point that then wasn't clear. Yeah. You know, so, so, yes, the original investment's up tenfold. Um, but the second time we recommended, I think we're up threefold or give or take. And the third time we recommended all? it not so long ago was up about <laughs> yeah. 30 or 40%. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, you recommend a higher price. You can't capture those early gains just mathematically. No, no. But it's important to differentiate between either the lucky win back then or the fact that you had to be there at that point. Now, if you bought it on the original recommendation and some of our long-term members did, you made a lot of money. That's been great. But plenty of members have bought the stock since then, either mm. since the buy, the first buy, just simply because they joined later and said, oh, I'll buy that. I like it. Or when it was re-recommended a couple of times, they've said, you know what? That's a good idea. It's a good business doing well, executing well. And in some of those cases, the price had already moved up or had definitely had moved up and the multiple had even expanded, but the future was still just as bright. The quality features were still there. And we thought there was big long-term potential. And that's proven so far, touch wood, to be the case. I'll add another wrinkle to that. I, I would posit, in fact, I bet my left arm that there were people who bought at even a better price who didn't make nearly as much money. And the reason is, is because we, we all have this tendency to feel as though we need to quote unquote, lock in a profit. So you buy something at a dollar, it goes to two, hey, I've doubled my money, I'm <laughs> exactly. a genius. And Lord knows I have done this. And 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 you, you sell out thinking you're the, the smartest thing since Warren Buffett. Yep. Only to realize three, four, five years down the track that it was the worst possible mistake you could have made. And that, and this is the other point of this 10 bag of this, this to your point, was that something that occurred over five years, which in, in hindsight is just a blink of the eye. But when you're sort of looking in the here and now, and you're looking into the future, five years just seems an incredibly long amount of time away. So when things are going well, you stay with it. You know, why, why sell out and lock in a bit of a profit because you've anchored to some purchase price that looks cheap in retrospect, yep. but it really makes no difference, right? It could be that something has gone up fivefold and is still cheap relative to its future potential. Yeah. Add, adding to winners is something people don't do. You kind of look at that and say, well, okay, it was $2.15 or just 14 whatever it was. Um, when it gets to $4, oh, I've missed that. Yep. Okay, I missed it. Okay, I'll leave it now. Or you say, well, I'll, I'll buy for drops back to $1.90. Yeah. Or at four dollars, you say, "Well, it's too expensive now." But go to three bucks, then I'll buy. Then I'll buy. Now, yeah. if you this is a twenty-two dollars stock, right? If you'd bought it four dollars, you got more than a five bagger. You bought it five bucks, you've you've quadrupled your money. You bought it ten bucks, you've doubled your money. Yeah. You bought it fifteen bucks, you've still got a fifty percent gain. Yeah. I mean, none of these things should be should be ignored or avoided. But people who looked at it and went, "Oh, it's too expensive. It's already gone up. I'll, I'll get the next one." Yeah. 
you know, missing that opportunity has been a really, really big costly mistake for those who did. And as you said, or if you saw that along the way and said, oh, I've already made my money now, I'll, I'll get out. I'm, I'm a smart guy. I've done that job. Yeah. I think we can we can really obsess over the short-term movements and of share prices. And oh, I think that's a real mistake to, is yeah. you know, looking at that saying, well, maybe it's a sell, maybe I should hold, maybe I should whatever. Yeah. You know, we obsess over the losers and we kind of ignore the winners. Yeah. I think we kind of, we learn the wrong lessons that way. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. So I think that, that's, a, that's a key. I, I think key there's well. also a penny wise, pound foolish type thing where people will maybe get small over Small F foolish. Yes, small F, not the big F foolish. <laughs> when, 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 you, when you sort of, maybe you get over some of those, those behavioral hurdles and you think, look, it was 90 cents. Now it's $3. I still want to buy it. But you know what? I'm not going to put, I'm not going to just go out into the market and buy it. I'm going to put a limit order in or something. I'm going to put it at 295. Right. I don't want to pay three bucks. I'm going to pay 295. <laughs> And look, I get it. You've got to put a line in the sand somewhere. You know, you do have to have an eye on value. But honestly, I've been saying to members that if this thing is going to go well, mm-hmm. when you look back in five years' time, are you really going to care that you bought it at two ninety five or three yeah. dollars? It's it's not it's not going to make or break. Even if this turns out to be the worst investment in the world, and this is fifty cents in five years' yeah. time, again. Whether you bought it at two ninety five or three dollars, you've you've still taken a bath, right? And more importantly, you look at corporate travel management ten bagger, right? It's a tenfold mm. return. If you could have bought another nine companies that went completely stone, motherless, broke, mm. and you still would have broken even. Yeah. yeah. And so that you know, if you think about that in terms of the risk and reward, uh, David Gardner again, we talked about him with Amazon. You know, the, says the most you can lose in any investment is hundred percent. Yeah. The most you can gain is theoretically unmeasurable. Yeah. But at, in, any, in any real sense, is multiples of that. Oh, so if sure. you can make yeah. 200, 300, 400, 500 percent, but only lose hundred percent, mm. and if you believe in that company's future. Mm. The sheer range of outcomes already tilted in your favor if you think it's a high quality business. And we do. And, and that's a really important part of the thesis as well. Yeah, yeah. I think too, just on that in terms of pricing, it's all, it's all about looking forward. And it's always about having a, a reasonably clear idea of what this thing is. We're all so informed by the market and the share price. We, we look up, we, we log into our brokerage account. We <laughs> see that it's trading at $2.57.5 or yep. whatever it happens to be. Yep. And we think, oh, well, that's, you know, kind of what it is. You know, well, it was $3 before, so therefore that's cheap. And it's kind of got nothing. And I mean, nothing to do with what's happened previously. <laughs> exactly. It's about forgetting that market price. And it's about saying, well, here's a business. And for God's sake, don't look at the chart. Don't, oh, for God's sake. Let's let's do that another day because right. that's a rant that you and I can, <laughs> can go on for for a long time. That'll be a time. special half hour episode. And I uh, look forward to all the hate mail that we will receive <laughs> in the aftermath of that. H-P-A-D-E. <laughs> But what I'm saying is here is that you look at this as though it was just a private business. Yep. Here's what they're making. I reckon they can probably make this. You know what? I would pay X dollars for that based on what the future holds. Totally. And and it's got nothing to do with whether it was worth a dollar or $10 or a million dollars last week. So I think when you've got that focus on the future, yep. it helps you make much more sensible decisions in the here and now. If something's at $3 and you think that, geez, I would happily pay five bucks for this or four bucks for this. Right, right, right. And you've got this huge margin of safety, yeah, even yeah, if you're, yeah. and your estimates are always going to, by the way, the best of the best of the best analysts in the world, their forecast and their valuations are always going to be wrong. Yep. But it's about being roughly right as, in, in, as opposed to specifically wrong. Yep. Um, and so that's another thing I think I think we can focus on. And it comes back to that idea of, well, as, as, as averaging up, as the business improves, maybe it grows more than you think. Maybe it starts to get stronger. Those qualities that you talked about improve. And then you sort of think over time, actually, this is worth more than I thought. And therefore, I'm happy to buy more of it. Now, speaking of which, man, I want to, I want to do a little bit on quality. We talked a lot about price. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about what we saw with corporate travel. That in hindsight, it's easy to say, well, I knew it was going to happen. And we didn't know it was going to be this great, right? But mm. the preconditions were there for it to be a successful investment. Mm. And the reason was it was a quality business in the first place. Let me yep. take a couple of them off. Okay. The first is run by a founder owner. So oh, we, we, we love, love founder owners. Right, we yeah. do. And so 
Jamie Ferris, CEO, has, deserves all the praise in the world. He built this business from scratch. Him and a couple of people originally in, in an office building in Brisbane back in the day. Quite quite a bit of a, a, a large shareholding themselves, which always helped sharpen the focus. Correct. He's run it for 25 years, listed yep. for five or six years, I think, maybe mm. a bit longer, maybe. Mm. Um, you know, so owned the business, ran the business like his own, really high quality guy. Express that with, for example, doing some rights issues, which gave every individual shareholder the right to participate rather than feeling like, you know, it was only institutionals, institutions mm. that were offered the money. So really fair founder owner looking after shareholders. Big tick. He, he solved a real need. This is a great business because it helps other businesses save money. It's one thing to say, spend your money, buy my product because mm. it's going to be great for you. You're going to love it. Mm. That's one way to do it. Yep. If you tell a business, look, use my product, pay me a fee and you will still come out ahead. Yeah. It's a no-brainer, right? Solve so a problem for you're you. solving yeah. a real problem and you're saving the money because they're paying you a fee. Mm. They still save money. Yeah. That's a good place to be. Business to business when you're helping them solve a problem they have, yep. really good place to be. Very good. Thirdly, happy customers. When we when we recommended the company, it had won multiple, multiple travel agent of the year, corporate traveler of the year, business mm. awards. Mm. You know, they, these guys were were have had happy customers, good growth, really strong industry recognition. So we knew people liked them, people wanted to use their business. Fourthly, they were growing. They were, yeah. And that was translating into growth. Yeah. When you see a business already growing, when it's got happy customers, when it's got a, you know, it's doing the right things the right way, that's a really nice place to be. Mm. And last, a really solid balance sheet. It wasn't going to get itself in trouble with debt. In fact, when it's done, it's acquisitions mostly use a bit of cash, some shares, mm. very little debt on the way through. Mm. So taking very little risk with shareholders' money, making sure that it's conservative, but but still getting the job done, mm. and a really great internal workplace culture. Yeah. And those things, you know, it's easy, again, looks easy in hindsight. These were yeah. exactly the things we saw at the time yeah. that have remained true. And frankly, these are some of the reasons we felt good about recommending it a second and a third time because it's a quality business that was just getting it done. I guess the other thing I would ask you here, I haven't followed it as closely as you, but I would imagine given like any share that's ever existed ever, that that, that did not go up in a straight line. <laughs> exactly. So there would have been plenty of times, probably even when you first recommend that, that yeah. it would have, could have been down 10, 15, whatever percent, yeah. you know, shortly after. I think that, that always tests your faith. It's, it's easier, it's easier to be strong-willed when things are all going your way. Yeah. Um, and even along, even, even if it did go up at the, it, it, um, immediately, maybe it went from, what did you say you bought it at? Two fourteen. So maybe two fourteen. It was at you know four dollars a couple of years later, and then from four dollars it went back to three dollars. Right, 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 right. You know, it's yep. like a twenty five percent fall. Exactly. That will scare you out as well. And there's been a fair yeah. chunk of at least ten to fifteen percent falls over time. Well, I have yeah. to say, I remember a time when it was yeah. went from fourteen to twelve, when it went from uh, twenty to eighteen. You know, there's been lots of times when the price has fallen back, and you think, oh, I've missed it. She missed the chance. Yeah. It, you know, that that kind of stuff is always going to be the case. Mm. Share market volatility will always be with you, even with the best quality companies. The ones that have been successful, we talked about David Gardner and Amazon last week, or week before, so I should say. Um, you know, there, there are times when, when your, your faith is tested. Mm. But again, it's about separating the market price response from the company's underlying performance. And yeah. when the underlying performance has been good, there's every reason to say this too shall pass. I have the, I look, it's not all about corporate travel. We just want to talk about this to sort of take those broader lessons and then so we can apply them elsewhere. And hopefully, hopefully it has been uh, of help. I'm going to throw one last one, Andrew. I know oh, you okay. want to move on, but okay. I, I want to throw one more, which is simply luck. You know, we, oh, yeah. we, we can stay. We can stand here and pretend that we're no. It's luck. No, isn't it? It's luck when it doesn't go well. It's skill <laughs> when it goes well, my friend. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. So that's that's you know, like honestly, you know, was was it obviously as you asked when we first started? Was it obviously a ten bagger from day one? No, of course it was. Well, you've got to put your you know borrow it up to the eyeballs and put everything into it. Right, if you're right. Not for sure. And, and yeah. frankly, I made other recommendations that have gone badly. So yeah. you know, this is not to say that the process always works at 100 percent in your favor with every single recommendation. This Never was trying to put the right things in your favor, which I think we've just been through. Mm. And when they're in your favor, they're going to work out more often than not. 
but was it was it luck that I found it at that price? Was it luck that I had seen it that day? Mm. You know, all yes, of course it was. And so, you know, we always need to make sure that in both good and bad outcomes, there is simply always going to be an element of luck. And, and we're not we're not full of hubris to the point where we're going to say it's obviously us and we're great and we're wonderful people. Yeah, we try and do the right things. We try and tick the right boxes. And after that, there's still some element of luck left and just have to ride that. And sometimes you'll do well, sometimes you'll do badly. Mm -hmm. But if you do the right things enough times, the odds will turn out in your favour. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. We've talked a lot about the positive. Let's Haven't talk we? about the negative. And, mate, I can tell you it hasn't been a good run for me of late. A couple of recommendations we made have just been slammed. Uh, we just fortunately got in front of a couple of things that we didn't see coming. Frankly, mm. the market didn't see coming, uh, just to share some of the blame there. Um, and uh, <laughs> that feeling, Well, mate. you know, it happens, right? I've been there plenty of times myself. And so you look yourself in the mirror and you think, well, what do I do? I've got a couple of options here. I, I, I can sell, got yep. it wrong. And, and, and get the hell away or it hurt. It hurts. I'm going away. I'm, I'm going say. away. You know, like it, it's gone down. It could go down further. We've seen that with plenty of companies <laughs> where, you know, it, yeah. it goes down 50% and it goes down to 50% again after that. Yeah. Um, or is this in fact what you want to see? I mean, you ask mm. anyone, Hey, what would you do if share prices drop 50%? Everyone's like, I'd buy, I'd buy like crazy. And, yeah. and, but none of us do. Yeah. So it's about trying to tease those two apart. So we wanted to ask the question when things don't go well, mm -hmm. when is the time to sell? Yeah. I think it's a really good point. The first thing is you need to be really honest with yourself. You know, you need, you, it's easy, it's easy to say either, oh, I'm a bloody idiot or oh, the market's wrong or oh, I got this right or whatever it is. It's more, it's less likely to admit you're an idiot, frankly. There's a lot of mechanisms right. that we have to protect our ego. Correct. correct. You know, so that's so the first you want to blame others. Yeah. You really have to be honest. Yeah. Now you tell me, mate, what, what are some of the, what are some of the conditions you would use to decide whether some of those stocks that are down are worth getting rid of or whether you should be hanging on? I think it's, I think it's, it goes back to why you bought the thing in the first place. Yep. Um, it's always a good idea. In fact, it's an essential idea. When you buy something, you want to know what you're buying yep. and why you are buying it. And right. you want to write that down, frankly. You and we call that an investment thesis, An right? investment thesis. But what do we expect to happen and why? I want to have an argument that I can put to someone that is hopefully fairly objective, well-grounded in fact. Um, this is what I expect to happen. And that's important because not only does it clarify your thinking, but it means that when, as the future begins to unfold, you can compare these new facts with what you expected. So it might've been because, Hey, we thought this business was probably going to grow at around about 10% per year for the next few years. Yep. Uh, first set of results come out and it's like, Ooh, she's not even close to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, next set of results come out. Ooh, it's still, and, and, and then you can sort of say, it gives you a very good referral to sort of say, well, clearly I was wrong. Yep. This has not grown how I thought. I need to, I need to reevaluate things. Particularly here. where the circumstances that lead to that low growth aren't things that you can reasonably expect are short term in nature. Yeah. I think that, see, that's the other point as well. I, I think in, in analyst land, in spreadsheet land, <laughs> everything is to 12 decimal places. Right. And we like to think that, you know, we, we have a really good idea as to what's going to be the next six month quarterly yearly mm -hmm. result, whatever it is. Well, mm -hmm. we're never going to know. Right. Um, but it, it's about being realistic. Um, businesses dealing in a, in a chaotic world, yep. right? Yep. You, you're, you're the smart, you've got the smartest CEO, you've got the best product. And there are things, there are a multitude of factors that impact on that. So that for me, it's, the, I think one of the questions to ask here is, is this, is this disappointment, yep. what you might call structural or is it what you might call cyclical? And here's two examples. So last week we talked about channel 10. 
Channel 10 has been in a pretty much consistent nosedive time after time after time because there are structural issues facing that industry. Simply, viewers are going somewhere else, advertisers are going somewhere else. They're not it, getting the dollars in through the door. Yes. There's nothing cyclical about the structural change to me. It's not part of the ups and downs of the economic cycle. This The industry landscape is changing structurally. Correct. On the flip side, Cochlear had a product recall back in the day, a couple of years ago, I want to say now. Mm -hmm. It fell from 88 bucks to 50 dollars give or take a little bit above but yeah it's now yeah. back to 120 dollars mm. and that was a one-off recall that yeah. yes in a different universe might have been catastrophic for the organization yeah. but was probably going to be one-off yeah. yes it incurred some costs yes it hurt sales in that particular period and the mm. one after while well, they made good on the problems yeah but then they came back and said well okay we got through that now we're back on our usual growth trajectory yeah. and that was if not cyclical it was a one-off one you could look through and say well, okay, this isn't going to break the business. It's not mm. going to break the, the brand. It's not going to break the... Huge, the hugely disappointing. I mean, obviously, it's very disappointing. Right. But... So there are two very different scenarios there. Where in one case, you're saying, this is not indicative of something that's going to turn around quickly. Yeah. On the other hand, you can look at Cochlear and say, this is a one-off that we think is a reasonable chance of working through. They did, and they're off to the races. Yeah. I'll give you a, a real-life example. One of the ones that we've we've had a bit of uh, misfortune with, RCG Group. These guys are athletes for Hype DC. They're shoe retailers. And I think there's two parts to it here. There's one, there's the normal cyclicality of, of retail. You know, for whatever reason, the latest $400 pair of sneakers didn't sell too well. And that happens. And so you get these sort of vagaries of, of, of retail, which I think you need to be relatively sanguine about. And you need to be realistic about when you get involved with these companies. The CEO himself is not going to be able to forecast the next year's earnings, not with any degree of accuracy, because he doesn't know what retail conditions are going to be right. like. So you, you, you accept that lumpiness. On the other side of things, you've also got a structural or potentially structural play here as well. We've talked a lot about Amazon. It's coming to Australia. A lot of people are going to start buying their shoes online now. It's definitely a possibility. We've seen those trends playing out. So you've sort of got to tease apart these two things here and sort of say, look, at the end of last year, they said that they expected to earn X dollars. Mm -hmm. They came out after a pretty uh, soft uh, period after Christmas and geez, retail has been a bit harder than we thought. So we, we've, we've pulled things back not long ago. They pulled things back again. Now this is all before Amazon's even come here yes, as well yeah. before. So this is all, I think what you would probably call cyclical kind of factors. Yep. Did the market like it? It did not like it. Very disappointed in it. Um, did we like it? Absolutely not. Share price really took a bath there. But then again, is, is this business still likely to be around in five years time? Is it still likely to see an improvement in earnings? And that's the question to really answer. If it turned out that you came to a, a view that no actually th this is this is the new normal things are going to continue in this way it doesn't really matter how how cheap the share price is remember slater and gordon mm. and they were just the darling of the market you know just going from strength to strength to strength then they got into some real trouble and really serious trouble and so you know the balance sheet was very shaky and this was a question of even though the share price continually to look in retrospect very cheap compared to where <laughs> it was before yep. It was actually still very expensive and was always likely to get worse. Right. So it's a matter of teasing apart those two things. Another point I would say in terms of knowing um, uh, when to sell or whether to buy more is forget about this nonsense of trying to pick the bottom. Mm. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen any of the great long-term investors out there pick the bottom ever. Yep. It's about You mentioned Cochlear before. I'll, I'll, I'll do a bit of a victory lap here. Mm. I was buying with my ears pinned back, and, and, but I was doing it in the 60s, right? Mm. And I did, and then it kept on going down, and it kept on going down. Percentage-wise, it was pretty brutal. And, and then it languished there for a you know, what In hindsight, it doesn't feel like it was that long. At the time, mm. these mm. are month after month after month of big mm. flashing red negative on your portfolio mm. all of the press telling you why you're an idiot um <laughs> if you've recommended it all of your, your members and clients telling that you're an idiot as well um and fair enough you know yep. I, I get that um uh but 
so what, right? Yeah, if, totally. if, as long as the price you paid was of reasonable value, yep. uh, then, you know, selling is absolutely the wrong thing to do there. You don't yes. have to pick the top and pick the bottom to do well here. We're almost out of time, Andrew. So let me just run through a really quick five-step checklist I look for when it comes to when to sell. The first is I would sell when I make a mistake. If I made a mistake, I've got to say, right. you know what? Not a mistake with timing, a mistake with a mistake the with the business analysis. Simply, I yeah. thought the business was going to do X, it did Y, and wasn't going to ever get back to X. And so I just simply made a, a fundamental analytical mistake. Mm -hmm. Secondly, when the unexpected happens, sometimes stuff happens just outside the expectation. There's company fraud, there's a new competitor, there's yeah. something that happens that simply is not, you couldn't have possibly foreseen it. But equally, once it happens, you've got to say, okay, well, that does fundamentally change what I expect. Yeah. Lastly, so thirdly, I should say, when one of your known risks materializes, RCG, you gave the example, Amazon coming to Australia is a risk. It's a known risk. Yep. Now, if that becomes problematic and does start to eat away at that business, you're going to have to say, well, I knew it might happen. It did happen. Okay, so now it's time simply to sell. It, it's, mm. it's, it's probabilistically, we, we invest probabilistically. Yeah, don't, don't be pig-headed. Right, we don't invest, we invest knowing yeah. there's certain things that could happen that could hurt us. And if they come to pass, we simply say, okay, they came to pass. Let's go somewhere else. Yeah. You're not going to get a risk-free investment. You have to know the risks and then respond to them. Yep. Fourthly, if the company is significantly overvalued, we talked a lot about price and times you shouldn't be scared away. Right. If you've got a company that's trading on a million times earnings mm. and those earnings aren't going to grow anywhere like the rate required to justify that price, then if the market gives you a great price to sell, then by all means sell. Yeah. Don't get too clever about selling at 380 when you think the company's worth 370. That's just stupid. Yeah. But if you think the company's worth three bucks and the shares are selling, trading for $10, yeah. then you know what? Unless you can unless you can look at it and say, actually, the market's right. If you still think it's worth three bucks, take your money off the table, go and invest in something else. You're simply being offered a, a you know, it's a, it's a gift horse, right? Don't don't look it in the mouth. Yeah, the idea is to hold for forever, but you know, sometimes it's, something's too good to be true. You take it, right? Totally. And then lastly, simply when you've got a better place for your money. So okay. we would say sell rarely unless you have to. By the same token, if I gave you a great opportunity to make 100 times your money and you said, no, thanks, I'd rather hang on to Fairfax shares. Yeah, I'm a long-term investor. I, I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's there crazy. are times when you simply yeah. should sell those shares. Yep. Everything is relative. Indeed. Well, I hope that's been useful, Falls. A long couple of rants on um, the good and the bad. Um, before you go, remember, you can subscribe to us through iTunes. And you or, should. And you should. Our favorite Android podcast app. Uh, and also visit motleyfool.com.au as well. That's just fool.com.au. No, motley at the beginning. Fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Nearly a test. Fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Leave the URLs to me, Andrew. Hasn't been my day. <laughs> Until next time, full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.